Lord, we just pray today that you will really speak to us and that we'll move to a different level in you. Because we want to run into your arms today. Would you just remain standing with me just for a few moments? Rachel, just come on. I want to have Rachel read to you a passage of Scripture. If you've got a Bible or your iPad or however you read your your Bible, if you go to the book of Acts chapter 8, and we'll start at verse 26 down to the end of the chapter. And this is a person, Philip, who jumped. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Go south to the road, the desert road, that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out, and on his way he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of the Kandak, which means queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship. On his way home was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. The spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you're reading? Philip asked. How can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. This is the passage of scripture the eunuch was reading. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter. And as a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, tell me please, who is the prophet talking about himself or someone else? Then Philip began with that very passage of scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. As they travelled along the road, they came to some water and the eunuch said, look, here is water. Who can stand in the way of me being baptised? And he gave orders to stop the chariots Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water and Philip baptised him. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away and the eunuch did not see him again, but went on his way rejoicing. Philip, however, appeared as utters and travelled about, preaching the gospel in all the towns until he reached Caesarea. So, Father, I just ask you today that we can be the same as Philip, responsive and able to know when you're calling us to something. Help us to take that step in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Give somebody a high five and say, yeah, I would jump. Please take your seat. I was driving down the road in Kentucky in the USA. I lived in America for about two years while I was studying there. And during my time there, I had to 
take some uh, mission appointments and preach in different churches. And I went from Tennessee to Kentucky. And in Kentucky, there's a county there called Hazard County. Now, for those of you of a certain age, you'll remember a TV show called The Dukes of Hazard. And I actually went to the place where The Dukes of Hazard was filmed. As I was driving down the road, one of the, I tuned into a radio station. And what you need to understand about American radio stations is this. That they're very localized. That they can cover a county or even a town. And uh, they have lots and lots of different radio stations. And as I was driving down the road and, and this radio station came on, the sheriff from that town came on to the radio. And he said this, I'd just like to warn everybody traveling down Highway 80 that someone is taking shots at the cars as they drive by. Pot shots at the cars and shooting at them. Uh, so as I was driving down this road, the, Maya, the marker came. I was on Highway 80. And I was thinking, oh no, I'm in the middle of somebody who's taking shots at and, and taking pot shots with a gun at cars as they drive past. And it came on the radio a bit later on, that, and these were the names that Billy Bob uh, and John and Billy Bob had actually been apprehended. Those are the right names. I have to say to you that I never felt so more in a foreign country as at that moment. I have to say to you that I felt that I was somewhere completely alien to the things that I believed in and the type of nation that I thought was, should be. I was in the middle of nowhere and somebody was shooting at cars. You might be a visitor to our country and you might be thinking, wow, this is so different. And it might be difficult for you to get settled in. I understand that. But one of the things that the Lord said to me, I I, I drove along the road and the Lord said this to me, I thought you said that you would go anywhere for me. And that kind of settled it in my heart that I was thinking, you know what? I need to do what I'm called to do. And we've all had seasons in our lives where we feel the tension between what we might think the Lord is calling us to and and what we've trained for or what we thought we wanted. And it, it kind of contradicts sometimes what we want to do and what we think we've got to do. And I, I know that sometimes we don't really know what we think God is up to. We think to ourselves, oh, Lord, I, I trust you, but I can't really see what you're doing here now. It's exactly the situation that Philip finds himself in. Philip comes from a successful situation. He's preaching a revival on a, and a citywide move of God is happening. And in verse 26, he's then called, and actually the Spirit says to him, go to the desert. Go to the desert road. He goes from a city to a desert. He goes from many to actually no one. God, are you sure? 
Are you, what are you up to? He goes from then, from no one to one. And then the Lord begins to change his life. You see, I want you to notice something about Philip. In verse 26, it says, go south to, go south, go to the south road to the desert road. Actually, the Lord qualifies it and says, I want you to be completely sure that I'm calling you to isolation here. Go south to there. But look, in verse 27, it says, so we started out. It wasn't a long time. And then in verse 29, it says, the Spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. And by the time you get to verse 30, it says, then Philip ran up to the chariot. One of the things that I notice about Philip is his willingness, his willingness to jump, his willingness to take a risk, or should I say it this way, his willingness to obey. The clue is that Philip was a responsive person, that he wasn't somebody he took ages to be cajoled in or persuaded in or to ask several times to do something, that he was ready to say, Okay, it didn't take him a lot of urging. He was told, so he did it. How long does it take me? How long does it take us? How many times has the Lord got to say something to us? Maybe it's a good principle to have confirmations. But when things are clear, do you jump? In Psalm 51, it says this, Restore my Uh, joy of my salvation. Then it says this, grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. You know, one of the things that saps your energy is our propensity, our habit of continually negotiating with God and saying, well, I think I might, Lord, I might not, Lord, I might, Lord, I might not. You will wear yourself out if you're not willing. But there's a big question, isn't there? And the big question is this, how do I know if it's God prompting me to do something or is it myself? I could have eaten some really spicy food and it might have affected the chemicals in my brain. Is it really God saying jump or take that faith step or take that small risk? Or speak to that person? Or is it just me? Let me give you some principles from what we learned from Philip and from the general Bible teaching. God often calls you from a good situation into something almost opposite that takes faith. Now, I'm not talking something weird that's going to damage you or or something that is going to isolate you in a way whereby you don't have to use faith, but it's something, and here's the key, it's God often calls us to something where we have to use more faith. Here, he's honing Philip's faith. He's training Philip's faith. He's allowing Philip to hone in and to hear for an individual instead of a crowd. He's growing his faith. I wonder if you're thinking of a change, but actually it's more comfortable to go to that change. This was not comfortable for Philip. This was a faith step. 
And God, when he begins to move us on, challenges us and says, if you're going to step out, it's going to be to a new faith level. Most of us in culture want to get a promotion because it brings more money and then equals more comfort. But we don't realize with more promotion comes more responsibility, more stretching. It's the same in the economy of God. In the economy of God, he calls us to stretch us. And so one of the clear things I want to say to you today is if you're considering a change, will it take more faith or less faith? The second thing that I realize is that God often calls us to situations where you have to learn to be relational and minister to people. When we're thinking of a change or a faith step, then analyze and say to yourself, will I get to be more relational, more loving, more caring, more personal with people? Or is this step taking me away from ministry? Is it taking me away from sharing the gospel? This uh, faith step for Philip jumped him into a personal look and a personal uh, relationship there. And he began to share the gospel This is what's going on here. God often calls you to situations where you have to be relational and share the gospel and minister to others more. The step that you're considering, does it put you into ministry or take you out of ministry? Third principle is, God uses clarity. He makes things clear. For Philip, It was no doubt with what God was saying. I want to ask you, is God making things clear or are you just generally dissatisfied? Have you had a definite encounter with God and some confirmations from the Lord to convince you, yeah, this is the right step? Or are you kind of sensing that, Lord, if if I see the word Christian then I know that you are uh, going to uh, call me to uh, another town. And then a lorry drives past with Christian Salverson on it. And you're thinking, yeah, that's the sign. That's not clear. God makes things clear when he wants you to take a step. Stop looking for whispers and half a sign. With Philip... He told him, and he heard it, and he heard it clearly. But you know, as well as those things, jumping needs to be wrapped up in some wisdom. And here are three important wisdom things that will help us when we want to take a faith step. First of all, honesty. First of all, you have to be honest about What are my real reasons for wanting to make this faith step? Am I honestly just fed up with work that I feel God has called me to the mission field? I mean, honestly, what are your real reasons for wanting to do something for God? You have to be honest with yourself. Honesty is really important. And think, why do I really want to do this? Is it because I want to serve God? How honest am I being? The second thing that, that is wisdom is, what does the Bible say 
about what you want to do? What is the scripture telling you about the thing that you say God is calling you to? I've had people come to me and say, Pastor Mark, I want to start a church. I say, oh really? But you've never served in BCC. Pastor Mark, I'd really like to step out and go on the mission field. Really? And you want to do that by you. In the scripture, there's a principle of being sent out. Jesus sends out his disciples. They're under authority. Paul is sent out by the Antioch church. People are called to be with a group and then sent out from that group. People don't just decide to go out. See, you have to understand what the Bible says about what you're saying you want to do. So if you want to set up a ministry, have a ministry, be in ministry, who's confirming that? Who's blessing that? Who's authorizing that? Who's covering that? Who's nurturing that? You see, we have to be true to what the Scripture says. So let's have some wisdom about our faith jumps, our faith steps. The third principle when you jump is, have you prayed? Have you prayed about what you're about to do as a step? as a point of obedience? Have others prayed with you? Have you been prayed for? You see, when we wrap our faith steps up in prayer, then it isn't quite just jumping into the unknown. There's a process to it. So are you someone, though, that when all is said and done, when you've been through the process... When you've prayed and you've heard and you've looked and you've thought about things, are you somebody, when all the indicators are right, will you jump? Come on, let me hear an amen. Now, it may not be as scary as the one you saw on the screen, but how about talking to that person that you've never talked to at work? How about making that offering that you feel you should? How about walking across the room and greeting a new person at church? Would you jump when everything seems right? What is it about our hearts that hold back from the loving arms of the Father? Because there isn't a net at the end of the jump. There's a loving Father who catches you every time. But you've got to have willingness. And today, one of my responsibilities is to begin to speak faith into you to help you to step out. You see, I've noticed some characteristics about the people who take faith risks, about the people who take small obedience steps, about the people who jump. The Lord actually builds in them something perhaps opposite than maybe the film portrayed, I don't know, but opposite than this wild adventurer. What I've noticed about people who take faith steps is actually they are not reckless, but they are carefully obedient. That they actually keep checking. Philip was very careful to hear the Spirit of the Lord, and he was responsive. 
a bit like a mountaineer checks all his equipment before he sets off on the climb. That's what people who make faith steps are like. They check. They're careful. They keep saying, Lord, is this you? And they keep saying, Lord, I want to hear you. Can I ask you today, and I want to ask myself, am I just going, barreling on at full speed, living my life, and I kind of check in with the Lord now and again? Or how careful am I to wonder if I'm being obedient to what God is saying? You see, people who jump, they're careful. They may be wild, they are brave, but they're very careful to check in. You see, we need an attitude, Lord, I know that you know best, so I'm just going to follow you. That's the people who really jump. What I've noticed about jumpers, and and in America they they use the word jumpers for people who are going to jump off a bridge. I'm not using it in that context and wouldn't, wouldn't do that. But what I notice about people who take faith risks and obedience steps is that the second thing is, and it's there on the screen, that they are relational. The people who say, other people matter to me. Look at Philip. As he went to the chariot, he didn't start with what he thought he had to say. He actually said, do you understand what you're reading? Now think about this for a moment. Philip's been in a revival. He's been doing miracles. He's been preaching and lots of people are being saved. So he hears the Lord go to the desert road. And when he's on the desert road, he hears the Lord again go to that chariot. By the time he gets there, he could be the sort of person that says, God has obviously called me to tell you everything I know. But he doesn't start there. He says, I'm going to suspend all of that, lay that down, and I'm going to say, what do you know? What do you understand? Do you understand what you're reading? You see, relational people don't start with where they're at. They start with where the other person is at. And maybe one of our barriers is that some of the folks at work and some of the people in our family, we want to start where we're at and maybe we should just walk with them where they are at for a while. Maybe we should say, what do you understand? How are you doing? It's really interesting to me that he doesn't just jump in and actually the Bible says that then the eunuch, the Ethiopian, invites Philip into the chariot. Maybe we don't get so many invites is because we keep jumping in in the wrong way. I've noticed about people who make faith risks and step out that they are actually very aware of people and they're very relational people. Because after all, God's heart is for people, isn't it? There's a misnomer today. There's a, there's a false stereotype or a false picture about the holy people who are separated from people and they come down the mountain and just tell you what God's saying. That's actually not really what happens. God didn't even do that. What God did is he poured himself into the flesh of a little baby 
and was caressed and held for a long time by us before he gave us his message. How relational are you? Do people really matter to you that you can walk with them for a while? The third thing that I notice about people who jump and the things about Philip is that the people who jump are biblical. They know the scriptures well. Philip could guide this seeker from the scripture. He was reading from Isaiah 53, 7 and 8, by the way. And Philip began with that very passage, took him on a journey in scripture and was able to show him the good news of Jesus. In fact... This passage, it's the passage of the suffering servant in Isaiah, had never been used before. We don't have any record of it being used before uh, by the apostles or in the book of Acts. So actually, this was a fresh scripture. And the first question that was being uh, told to Philip, and Philip was biblical enough to be able to say, oh yeah, I know that. I wonder about us, whether we've just fallen into a routine of a quick five-minute read from our promise boxes or a a quick uh, kind of uh, devotion where we listen to the Bible on the way to work. And all of that's great. But we've got to make more of a commitment to knowing the Scriptures well. You've got to join a small group. You've got to study sometimes. You've got to come to some courses. And we'll be obviously advancing those when we come to September. But I wonder if there's a a change or a a click that could happen on our minds where we say, you know what, I need to get deeper into the Scriptures. Because as you get deeper into the Scriptures, not only is it about knowing, the Bible sets a tone in your life. It begins to set a protection around you and actually begins to inspire you. The, The Bible's a foundation to base your life on, but it's also a platform to spring from. And it inspires you to make the faith jumps that that you need to make. You know, you'll be having a terrible day at work. Uh, That's not a prophecy, by the way. That's just life. You might be having a terrible day at work, and that morning you've read about three young men who didn't bow down to the emperor and the king, and they were thrown into a fiery furnace, and God delivered them out of that. And you'll be in the middle of your furnace of a day, and you'll think to yourself, well, if God could do that for them, surely he can help me now in this situation that I'm in. You see, the Bible will set a tone for you. Yeah, come on, let's give the Lord praise. You've got to get into his word. You've got to begin to say, I know this level, let me go deeper, Lord, because he's got more faith jumps and uh, uh, obedience jumps and steps for you to take. And he'll do it through the inspiration of the Bible. People who jump are people who are obedient. They're careful people. They're not reckless adventurers per se. They carefully check in with the Lord. People who jump are relational people. They connect with people. They want to minister to people. They don't want to isolate themselves from people. They want to minister more deeply with people. They want to share the gospel more with people. God doesn't 
just put faith jumps in people who are not interested in other people. He loves the world. So when you love the world, you'll get to do some faith steps. People who know the Bible, who know are biblical, get to jump. In the 1990s, you see, when you're as old as me, you've been listening to music for a long time. I, I, I know music for a, a long, in fact, I was born in 1959. I, I know it's gasping for you to think that I even spanned the last century. And even, you know, all of that. And in 1958 was the official start of the rock and roll generation. I am a product of that. Thank the Lord Jesus came and saved me and just stopped all of that. But in 1990, Natasha Bedingfield, she wrote a song called Drop Me in the Middle. You may not know it, but it says this. Drop me in the middle so I can make a ripple effect upon Upon the, the ocean, I'll be like the moon that turns the tide. Drop me in the middle so I can make a ripple. A domino effect falling through the sands of time. I want to say to you, and I kind of want to wrap this up by saying, if you jump, if you obey, if you take a faith step, there are two very important things that happen when God's people take a faith risk. The first one is this, if you jump, you will cause a ripple effect and help others. When you jump, others will jump. When you obey, others will obey. When you break through, others will break through. When Philip jumped, the Ethiopian was baptised. What would it have been like if Philip would have said, when the Spirit says, go run alongside that chariot, that Philip would have said, I'm not doing that. I look really silly running alongside the chariot. By the way, he's an Ethiopian, one of dubious uh, physicality anyway. Why would I associate with him? When he jumped, someone got saved. To eternity, forever. And of course, the opposite is true. When we don't jump, when we hold back, when we don't make our faith steps, we can often hinder others as well. That when we don't, others don't. We could even stop other people's breakthrough. Now, open your Bible to Acts chapter 8. Just get there because you're going to see something unusual. You're going to look at verse 36 and it's going to jump to verse 38. That often verse 37 is missed out because it was a later manuscript. But it should be in there. And often Bible translators don't put it in there just because it was a later manuscript. But the later manuscript tells you actually what the Christians believed happened at this time and actually did happen. Acts chapter 8, verse 37, which may be written at the bottom of your page. It says this, that Philip said, that the Ethiopian said, can I be baptized? And Philip said, if you believe with all your heart, you may. And the Ethiopian answered, I believe that Jesus Christ 
is the Son of God. You see, what, when Philip jumped, this man made a clear declaration and said, yes, I'm coming home to faith. And maybe that's your step today. Maybe you've been a church goer or a church hanger outer. You know, you hang out at church, but you're not really committed to Christ. Maybe this is your day to say, I'm going to take that step or make that jump. But notice something. If you look in the Bible, there are only three places where the word Ethiopian is used. And here is two of them. There's one in Jeremiah when, it, when God's complaining about Israel. And he's saying, you're not going to change like an Ethiopian couldn't change their skin color. And God's, God's trying to get the Israelites to have a, a soft and changing heart. And what about you? I wonder if you're, you have a willing spirit. But here is the only place where we see that the Ethiopians have a person who's witnessed to. And this person is an influential person. In fact, this person owns all the purse strings. And what we know from church history is, is that it's from this encounter that the country of Ethiopia began to be reached. In fact, Africans, this is where you come into the picture. Can some Africans say amen? It opens up your continent because one person said, I'll go to the desert and jump. Amen? Amen. Oh, I wish some Africans were grateful in this place. Because this is where you started. And so from this place, somebody jumped and then God has a bigger plan. You see, Philip, I'm sending you to an individual, but I have a a nation on my heart. I have a continent on my heart. And because you've jumped, then this will be that I will save that nation and that continent. You see, when you take a faith step, it has an effect on others. It's a really important principle. Last thing. When you take a faith step and when you jump, it leads you to higher levels of ministry and actually long-term destiny. Come on, let's track Philip through. We find him in Acts chapter 6 and he becomes a deacon. He begins to serve meals to a widow's. That's how he starts. And then he gets called to preach to one city. And then he, he has that and then he gets called away from that city and he, and he comes to speak to this one person. And because God's found him faithful, serving, then preaching, and then being relational to one, he's then actually, he's carried away or jumps in the spirit. And look at verse 40 in Acts chapter 8. It says, Philip, however, appeared in Astus and traveled about preaching the gospel in all the towns he reached until he reached Caesarea and he preached there in many towns. God takes him up to a different level of ministry. You see, if you'll be willing, if you'll take a jump, if you'll take a faith step, God will increase the level of your ministry. You see, he settles in Caesarea, and there he gets married. He has four daughters who prophesy, and he meets Paul there later on. 
But God's got a plan for Caesarea because in the very next few chapters, a centurion gets saved and he needs a faithful person to then begin to help the Gentiles come. You see, when you take a step of faith, God will increase your level of ministry. I'm going to ask the worship team to come because I want to ask you something today. And maybe you could all stand with me because I want to ask you, it's my responsibility today to remind you that this walk that we're on, let's all stand, come on. This Christian life that we're on is a life of obedience and a life of faith where you have to step out and you have to believe that God has the best for you. And even though you don't see the big picture, Philip, you didn't see Ethiopia and the African continent. Philip, you, when you moved to Caesarea, you didn't see the Roman centurion, but I saw him. You have to believe that God has a bigger picture for you. So I want to ask you, no matter how small it is, no matter how insignificant to other people it looks like, no matter if somebody else could do it much better than you, but God's asking you to do it, will you jump? Will you take a faith step? Will you be the sort of person that says, yeah. May not be as dramatic as the film, but for you it might be as hard. I felt this for the first service and you know it's come back to me now and I just feel it's right to say this. This is the word of the Lord. I kind of, during the break, you may not have seen me, I didn't hang around in the cafe because I wanted to just pray about this, whether to say it again. But this is the word of the Lord. And I sat in my office in between services, I just felt like the Lord gave me a liberty to say it again. Why don't you just lift your hand with me and close your eyes just for a moment and, and just say, God, whatever you've got to say, Hear the word of the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. The Lord says, you have been at the same level for a long time. And I am calling you to a new level in me, says the Lord. And I didn't feel like it was a rebuke. I just thought like it was something the Lord was saying, hey, come up higher, my child. So hear the word of the Lord. You have been on the same level for a long time. And I am calling you to your next level in God, says the Lord. If you would like to receive that, just lift your hand with me and say, God, take me to the next level. Take me to thy next level. I don't want to stay here, Lord. I want to jump. I want to take a faith step in you.
Holy Spirit. Come on, let's worship him. Holy Spirit. I'm going to ask some of you to come for prayer in a few moments, sure. But why don't we just all worship together and sing to him and just kind of give our hearts to him in faith and release and say, yeah, I want to take that next step. I want to jump. Come on, turn to your neighbor and say, jump. Take your step. Jump. And you know what I mean by that. It's a faith step in God. Let's sing together, shall we?